God is in charge of everything. We don't have to fear, but the point is we have to get right with God. More Christians are being persecuted now than they say any other time in history. I mean, this this is even Rome. I mean, from what's happening in the Middle East to what's happening in other places and what we're even seeing in the West. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Church Development Group, a church building project impacts your ministry for decades. That's why how you build is as important as what you build. With over 50 years of experience, Brown Church Development Group's construction team has built hundreds of churches of all sizes and denominations. Integrating with Brown Church Development Group members, coaches, consultants, and architects, the construction team delivers a strategically positioned facility that reaches beyond just the brick and mortar. If you're considering a building project today, you're walking with your elders, you're talking to people in your church, call Brown Church Development Group at 888-879-1338. Remember, it's a podcast, so you can back up and listen to it again. It's 888 879-1338. You can find them online at churchdevelopment.net backslash podcast. Churchdevelopment.net backslash podcast. Don't forget the backslash. It really helps us out for our friends and supporters to know that they're listening to podcasts. God bless you all as you reach out to Brown Church Development Group. We're live in the studio right now with author, best-selling author, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. And I can't tell you how much uh, I'm, first of all, in awe that uh, I could spend a few minutes with you. Oh, so welcome blessing. to Charisma. My blessing to be with you, Steve. Thank it's you, good sir. to meet you, too. So I, I can't wait to ask you the question you've never been asked before. Mm. So uh, as you take a look at your first book, as you think about The Harbinger, why do you think it connected with people? Well, I believe, first of all, people have sensed that there's something happening. And I believe the Harbinger put it that it's not just a sense. It's actually there. It's connecting the dots. It's real. It's not just a sense of where America is heading and the danger that we're in. You know, I don't believe I came up with the Harbinger. It really came to me, you know, rapidly. It came in a way that was not natural in any way. Um, And it went forth to the world in a way that was supernatural, starting Mm -hmm. with this meeting at the airport. So I believe this is the Lord. And so this was, this is what he has wanted to get out. And he uses the foolish things of the world to, so he uses, he can use us. But yeah. Right. But even as a writer, as a teacher, the, uh, the English word for rabbi is great teacher. As a teacher, do you believe that message there was something that needed to be learned? Was, was there a hunger to learn that? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I believe it was. I believe there's a hunger for direction and there's a hunger for 
what is happening and what do we do about it? We're at a, a very critical stage of crisis with Christianity in the West, in America, what's happening. There's a growing darkness, growing anti-Christian sentiment. Uh, there's a disestablishment of Christianity. Uh, there's even persecution, you know, which we know that's part of the end times. But people are saying, what do we do about it? What's happening and what do we do about it when they turn on their television every day and see things they never could have imagined would be on there before? Well, there's a reason, and one of the things about the Harbinger is, you know, there have been many, there are people who get scared, but there's also many people who say, you know, this gave me a lot of confidence and security because it's telling me God is in control of everything. Yes. It's showing that even the leaders say things they don't even know what they're saying, but it's all part of, you know, God's template. So God is in charge of everything. We don't have to fear, but the point is we have to get right with God. Yes, Rabbi. That's a good word. We have to get right with God. And do you believe that there were people who read that great book, uh, how many millions were sold? I know many. Yeah, yeah, several million. Of those several million, how many lives were changed? Well, you know, we don't, we we can't what say, but but well, sure I can, can I can say that we we what I say that we get stuff we get reports from all around the world, around America and the world of people's lives have been changed. People who've come to the Lord, um, people who have been in the Lord but were not serious, and they are now all on fire for God. Churches that have started prayer movements, uh, um, st- uh, revival movements. Yes. Um, actually, the doors of Congress were open because of the Harbinger. Yes. You know, somebody was watching me talk about it and said, "Well, we should have a gathering of leaders, you know, f- of prayer and repentance." Well, the, you know, by a quirk, they went to the Capitol. And the Capitol said, "You know, John Boehner, I think at the time said, okay." And now every wow. year the Capitol is open. They said for the first time in a hundred and something years for a prayer service, worship service through the Harbinger. So mm-hmm. it's affected that. The Lord is, um, there's there are presidential candidates who've been reading it and have been giving it out to others. So it just keeps going. It keeps going. So yeah. So, so we good. And we know, I also know Orthodox Jews who are reading it, secular people, Wall Street people, you know, and people who don't know the Lord. Well, I'm curious then, I know that you've spoken with the United Nations about the persecuted church. What what did that do for you as you were able probably without that book you wouldn't have been called upon or, or who knows maybe yeah, maybe so I doubt it but that <laughs> was an amazing I've got a lot of that uh, live content on one of our other podcasts we used it oh. your your presentation there your speech yes it was amazing well and and if you could give our listeners just a thirty second view of what you had to say to the UN about that topic well the uh, you know I, I started by speaking about what happened uh, in with Hitler and that all these things were happening and we always look back and then say how could they have not done anything how could everybody have turned away well we're doing that because there is a Holocaust going on of believers and uh, in fact you know there's danger of the first communities of believers in the Middle East being wiped out totally by Isis but it's happening all around the world more Christians are being persecuted now than they say any other time in history I mean mm-hmm. this this is even Rome, I mean, from what's happening in the Middle East to what's happening in other places and what we're even seeing in the West. Um, and that we, you know, the other thing was that there's a famous case called that of Kitty Genovese, mm-hmm. uh, who was actually killed by, it, they say about 30-something people saw this person, this woman getting raped and screaming and did nothing about it. And I'm saying, you know, we condemn that. But what are we doing? If we hear screams, if we hear this and we don't do anything about it, what are we doing? You know, so it was a call, a very hard call, but a call to, you know, we cannot close our eyes and evil, what is needed for evil is that people who are of good nature do nothing about it. That's right. Rabbi, I want to tell you what effect it had on me. You know, I was pretty fresh here, maybe six months. I can't remember the exact date that you were at the UN. But I read your speech. I heard your speech. I watched it live through the computer. And I was preaching at the time. I was pastoring. 
And uh, after moving here, of course, I had to give up my church that I pastored for 10 years. But it compelled me to come back and preach the next Sunday on the persecuted church. I had never done it, and I'd never heard the message preached. Mm. I mean, we're all, we all know it. There's probably not a pastor out there that's not aware of the, at least that it's going on, certainly not the magnitude that you just expressed. Yeah. But I felt compelled, and I think that's what Troy wrote about in Charisma. I think it's what many of us are feeling, that pastors need to get a hold of this and get in their pulpits and make sure that this word is spread. Do you feel that that's happening? Is it catching on at the grassroots? I, I feel it is happening that people are more and more aware of the persecution that's happening at the same time because of ISIS and terrorism. There's a fear as well, which is of helping these people. So it's it's a mixed thing. It's the end times. You know, the end time says that there will be persecution at the end, you know, and not just over there. We're watching it there. And if we don't stand for right and stand against darkness with others, it's going to come to our door as well. And then what do you do? You know, that's as, as Martin, I believe Niemöller said, you know, when they came for the communists, I didn't say when they came for this one, I, I said nothing under Hitler. When they came for the, finally they came for me and there was no one to say anything anymore. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I have a pastor in here just after the interview with you, after we heard you with that great speech. And I asked him about what he knows and what he preaches. And he said, Steve, I'm not afraid of ISIS as much as I'm afraid of Super Bowl Sunday, the beach, <laughs> Disneyland, he said, they're hurting my church more than ISIS is. Yeah. They're hurting Christianity a lot more because in his feeling, and I think mine and yours as well, that the world is having more impact on the church than the church is having on the world. Absolutely. It could never, you know, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And, yes. you know, therefore, how did it get this dark? I mean, how could the world, how could the West, how could America have gotten this dark if we, the church, were lighting up this mm-hmm. nation as we were called right. to be? Could we're not, not on the hill. Be? Absolutely. And, and that's another thing. You know, a lot of believers feel that they're on the defense now because it's so much in the hands of culture. Now we're talking about, do you even have the right to even speak the Bible without getting thrown in jail. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where we're moving to. Um, it's not just theory anymore. you know. But the point is, we're supposed to be agents acting upon the culture, not the other way around. But yes. anyway, well, how can you do that anymore? Well, look at the book of Acts. They had persecution. They had an anti-Christian culture, yet they didn't care. They blazed and they changed the world. We have to be the same way. Amen. Really good word. You've got another little book out there. It's called Shemitah. Yeah, not so um, little. <laughs> yes. I know. I'm being no, I'm, I'm getting to. teasing yeah. you. If you think about the, the two or three people out there that haven't heard of this book yet. Tell me about the book. In a nutshell, the Shemitah, or the mystery of the Shemitah, as it's called, is an ancient mystery goes back to Moses, where God ordained the seventh year to be a, a year of rest, but also a year of economic ceasing. And at the last day of that year, you have a day of nullification when all the debts are wiped out, finances, everything is wiped clean. This was to be a blessing. But when Israel turned away from God, the Shemitah or the Sabbath year became a sign of judgment when they were taken to Babylon. It was according to the Shemitahs. The 70 years were for all the Sabbath years they didn't celebrate. So could it still be, could we still see the pattern of the Shemitah in modern history? I mean, God is sovereign and, you know, the the seven-day pattern is still here. Could he at times even link it as a warning as he did in the Bible? And the answer is yes, amazingly so. And there's this pattern, amazingly, and it has affected the greatest stock market crashes up to those days in the last 14 years. Each happened on the exact appointed once in seven year day of nullification that God ordained. I mean, you can go back to the depression and you see the pattern. It's not that we don't put God in a box. He doesn't have to do it every time. The cycle doesn't have to be God is not. You put God in a box, he gets out. You know, so, but the point 
point is, you won't ever get in it. No, that that's yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the thing, so the thing is that a lot of people were expecting. I warned as I shared this every yes, single did. time I share. I said, do not put God in a box. Do not say God doesn't have to do anything on any day. Nothing has to. Nobody happen. hears that part. Though, no, of course they? they don't. Of course they don't. It's not dramatic, you know. <laughs> but the thing is that you know it's wisdom and and that be ready for anything. Well, the actual thing, people were were looking all to this one date, and the stock market wasn't open even this year. But it just came out. This is the end of 2015 and the beginning of 2016. 2015 was all over the web. has been the worst year for the stock market since, get the year, 2008, which is the other Shemitah. Amazing. This, this Shemitah devastated global trade, wiped out China, which is now the leading economy, caused 20% of the greatest stock market crashes in history, and has really devastated. And we're right even now. Here we're starting a new year, and we've just seen China crash twice in this week, and all the world markets crash as well. So it was actually one of the most devastating Shemitahs ever. Yes. But it, you know, God doesn't have to do it according to our pattern. But it's amazing what has been confirmed now. And it's not over. No. No, we're just no. seeing the, the cusp. And there's something called the Jubilee, or in the book, there's something called the mystery of the seventh Shemitah, which ushers in a super Shemitah, which we know as the Jubilee. A lot can happen there, too. So we kind of have an extended period, which mm-hmm. goes all the way to September 2016. And the last two cycles of this super cycle, we actually saw war and the restoration of the land of Israel to the Jewish people mm-hmm. in 1917. We saw the restoration of Jerusalem in 1967 of the second cycle. God doesn't have to do anything, but I'd be have my eyes open. Yes, our eyes are open, thanks to your book. And I want to tell all of our listeners to make sure you give a listen to Steve Strang's report. The Strang Report has at, at depth a couple of interviews with a rabbi that he just did today. So I'd encourage you to go into a little more depth in, on this topic. I would like to ask the rabbi to go to his leadership skills and talk to us about you. Uh, you've got a great knowledge and insight and prophetic of where we're headed. How do you lead a people now as, as a leader yourself? What would you say to the pastors and leaders that are listening to this? Where do we go from here? Well, I believe we are in critical times. We are in the last days, and we are watching, you know, for years, many of us who were around back then, and we heard prophecy say, there's going to be persecution. We can never figure out, how's it going to happen? Well, we're watching it happen now. It's a critical time. It's critical for Christianity. It's critical for the West, and it's critical for our lives. I believe the issue of persecution, the issue of judgment, the issue of where the culture is going, racing away from God. I mean, this year we saw the striking down of marriage, as we know it, in the year of the Shemitah as well. So for all these reasons, I would say the time is late, and the point is what the voice of God is saying, that if you're ever going to get it right with God, now is the time. Don't say tomorrow. Whatever is in your life that shouldn't be in the life of, of a saint of God, get it out now. Whatever God is calling for you to take up to become that person, don't say tomorrow. Take the first step today. Yes. Because we are called, these could be the greatest times for us. Because, you know, if you look at all the, the great testimonies, generally it's times of terrible things going on, and those are the, when the light shines. It's the candle in the night. Yes. So it's kind of the, we were mentioning before, the grays disappear, and so the gray goes to dark on one side, but it's to go to light on the other. So these are the times that go from bad to worse are also the times when the good are to go from good to great. So we, you know, look at the book of Acts. These are people who are great, and yet the darkness only intensified their greatness in God. We are to shine, but be unafraid, be bold for God. These are not the times to be quiet. These are the times to be bold, in love. But, you know, we sing, these are the days of Elijah. It's time for us to become the Elijahs of the day. That's so good. Now I want to pin you down, sir. Okay. Talk to the pastors out there. Talk to my ministers that are listening, to the leaders of nonprofit organizations who hear this message. Coach us, guide us as leaders of churches and congregations and temples. Talk to us. What what should we be doing? Well, one of the most important things for leaders right now, and 
in these days is we must be uncompromised. You do not give in to the temptation. Oh, well, I don't want. I don't, don't want tickle to, ears. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to stick my neck out. I don't want to be. I don't want to get arrested. I, I'm afraid if everybody does that, you don't want to stick their neck out. Everybody's neck is going to be on the block. You know. The point is, these are the very days we talk. We tell our congregants about. You know, hey, stand for God. You know, I've decided to follow Jesus. Well, these are your testing, and you are the leader. You are the leader. What you do affects everyone else. So there's so many voices that are silent right now. When so much is happening, there are very few voices in the church that are standing very strong publicly, very prominently. There there are many who have toned everything down. This is not the time to tone it down. This is the time we are going from being a cultural faith to a prophetic faith. Yes. You know, a counterculture revolution. You know, the original form of this faith is revolutionary, not, not status quo. We're going back from status quo to revolutionary. God will anoint the pastor, the leader, who will stand uncompromised. Do not be afraid. This is your testing. This is what it's all about. And when people see you be strong, they will be strong. And so this is the time to resist the temptation to go along with the majority. I don't want any problems. You have to stand for God. You know, it doesn't mean much when you stand for God in a Christian culture. It means a lot when you stand for God in an anti-Christian culture. You are to be the candle in the night. And the candle in the night, it lights up the world, can even change the world. So what's true for others are true, especially true for us. The eyes of the Lord are searching the the whole earth to look for the pastor, for the leader whose heart will be completely his, and he's going to show himself mighty for that one. You be that one, and God will lift you up. I want to approach your prophetic. You've preached a great message. I hear you. I believe you. I want to be that guy. Uh, How are we going to do? As you look down the road, one to three years, five years, how are pastors going to lead through this? Are they going to be able to set aside their ear tickling? Are they going to be able to stand strong in that pulpit? What do you what do you prophesy? I believe it's going to be a time of polarization, meaning more and more we're going to see the grays disappear. The, mm-hmm. the middle ground will be disappearing. And so and that means a lot of things in, in the culture and in the church. And so you may have... You know, it's just like even gray Christianity has to disappear ultimately. You know, nominal Will Christianity. It? Yeah. I, well, it's already happening because when, they, when they've when done the – they've actually done statistics in the last seven years, Christianity, people – those in America who say I'm Christian has declined by 8 percent in seven years. Now, that's massive when you think of how long it took centuries for the Western culture to become Christian. Okay. But who is that? That's probably most likely nominal Christians. So they're not wearing really anyway. The gray is disappearing. So what's left will be maybe smaller, but it'll be far more powerful. So be part of the powerful remnant of God is, is what I'm saying. So that's what I believe is going to get more and more, you know, again, the evil getting more evil, but the, but the light getting more light for those who will be light. It's going to force us, for those who will stand, it's going to force us to be great. There's no nominal anymore. It's going to be great. Great in the Lord. Great in the Lord. Not through self. You can't do it. There's, They're not that, going to survive that, this. That won't last. That no. won't last. It's the power of the Lord. The power yes. of the Lord. But I pray, but we need to be praying for revival. You know, yes. the, revival can still happen, but generally, I don't believe it's going to happen easy. I mean, me, meaning I believe if, if revival is going to come, it's going to come through shaking. Most mm-hmm. of us came to the Lord that way. But the thing is that, so I believe, though, it, you, we can have the greatest revival, it's possible, but it starts with us. And, you know, we say, you know, we, we, we can't just be praying for revival. We, let's start living in revival yes. as leaders. That's yes. where revival starts. Rabbi, give us a little bit of insight into how to lead a staff. That when we're in this midst and we've got some junior staff members around us watching us, observing us, trying to find their own way in the darkness to light, uh, how do you lead a younger staff or a staff that serves you and works in your work? How do you teach and coach and what are you saying to them? Well, I think most important is 
be what you preach, you know, because they're the ones who are just like for your family, for, for any preacher, for your family and your staff. Be what you preach because they're seeing you all the time, number one. So more important than what you preach is you living it. You living it. You don't need to use words. Yeah. If if you're living in integrity, not living in integrity, how you treat them when you get upset, when you're frustrated because things are not happening, it's for all of us. You know, that's what they're looking at. That's what people will respect. Be the person. You're not just the leader. You're the model. And that speaks farther than anything you do is what you live. That's right. And in a high-stress environment like a building like this where we're all working and we're doing hard – you know, we have yeah. a devotion here called At Work with God, and I'm trying to help people to, at work, be what they are at home, at church, yes. to be able to do what we want to do. We have trouble at work. Yeah, well, because we're being te- – I mean, there's pre- we're, we're trouble with pressure, but pressure is the very thing that shows – that brings out, you know, where we are and grows us if we make the right decision, you know. But this is where it counts. You know, we have to remember, you know, it's not just the goal. You know, the ultimate goal isn't whatever the goal we think it is generally. It's the goal that God has. So, you know, I may be in a traffic jam and I may be – I want to get to that meeting, but that's not the goal. The goal isn't the, the goal isn't the meeting. The goal is how am, how am I in that car because yes. God is in the car with me. I'm already have, I already have my meeting, you yes. know. So the, 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 you know, keep what, what the ultimate goal is always because it's so easy to lose sight in the business of ministry or the administration of ministry that you forget the purpose of ministry, which is why we first got saved in the first place. You know, yes. <laughs> that's it. I've said many times in the pulpit that please don't stand at the front door and say, good sermon, pastor. Show me by how you drive home. Yeah. <laughs> Show me by how you honk in the parking lot. Yeah. Then I'll know whether or not this thing's been any good. That's exactly right. It, that's exactly right. It's where the rubber hits the road. That's exactly right. <laughs> Literally. 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 Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Do you have any last words for these our folks, our listeners now, or mainly leaders, That's pastors? Great. That's now, we'll, great. we'll be across yeah. a lot of shows, but yes. some last words for, yeah. for leaders. I would just say, because I gave the challenge, but I want to give yes. an encouragement because, you know, ministry is hard. You know, we know it. You know, I, I wanted ministry. I love ministry. I just, it's just the people I have a problem with, you know. And the point is that, that it's challenging. Of course it is, but, you know, you're doing it for the Lord. Your gift yes. is it's for the Lord. And what you're doing, there, there's no higher calling than what you're doing. Uh, there is nothing great than what you're doing. The presidency is not higher than what you're doing. It's lower because you are serving directly God. So the thing is, the ultimate thing is be encouraged. If you're serving, just make sure you're in God's will, but then be encouraged because the enemy wouldn't be attacking you if there wasn't a reason for it, if God wasn't doing so much. The enemy wouldn't waste his time with you if there wasn't such a great calling on the end. I see this again and again. I can bear witness. I'm not going to go into detail just this weekend while I'm here. I mean, I mean, amazingly so, but it's, the timing is so incredible that it's because of the greatness of the calling that you have, yes. that's why you have attacks. That's why you deal with it. So know that and get encouraged. Don't get discouraged. Get encouraged about it. Keep going. Press on. Break through it. And that's when you're going to see the blessing that God has for you. I've yes, seen sir. it again and again and again and again. We are so honored to be able to serve God full time like this. What an honor that is. I mean, to get saved. And then on top of that, that he calls us greatest honor. Be blessed. Keep going, and you will reap your harvest. Yes, that's such a good word. And I trust that all of you have have heard Rabbi Khan today in a new way, in a very unique and powerful voice. Rabbi, could I ask you to pronounce and pray a blessing over our listeners? Would you do that? Father, I ask your great anointing on everyone who's listening. Lord, we ask, Father, that all that you have called for their life Be fulfilled, Lord, and give them strength, Lord, your encouragement, Father, your spirit to move and to fulfill and bring to pass, Lord, the purposes you have put on this one, Lord. And I ask your ancient blessing that you yourself gave to be upon them now in the language of the Bible. 
Ya er Adonai panavalecha vichunecha. Yisa Adonai panavalecha. Yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you, servant of God. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on your life, on your ministry, on the works of your hands. The Lord pour out his grace upon you, upon your house. The Lord lift up the glory of his presence upon you, his minister, his servant. And the Lord give you shalom, life, fullness, peace, all the blessings of his love, B'Shem Yeshua, HaMashiach, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, Or HaOlam, the light of the world, Uchvod Yisrael, the glory of Israel, Va'ari Yehuda, and the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. (music) 